done for hearing from God and, and taking that step of faith to, to, bring, to bring those. We are continuing in our series this morning, uh, looking at steps of faith. And uh, we are, of course, looking through the Bible, looking at characters in Scripture and uh, considering their faith and how they are faithful through different circumstances and different situations. And we're doing that so that we can uh, learn from them because we want to be a people of faith, don't we? That, yes, that wasn't a rhetorical question. Well, we want to be a people of faith, don't we? Yes, we do. And we, we want to take steps of faith so that we can see God's kingdom come as, as, as they do. And so we're going to continue in our uh, series. I want to pray for us and, uh, and then we will we'll crack on. King Jesus, we thank you that our faith can be found in you. We thank you that, that when we consider faith and we consider taking steps of faith, we thank you that ultimately our faith is in you, our risen saviour. And this morning, we ask as we gather, as we study your word, as we look at some of this stuff together today, we ask you, sovereign God, would you be with us? Would you stir faith in our hearts this morning? We ask that you would stir faith in us today, that we would be a people of faith and that we would see your kingdom come in, in this place and beyond. In, in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me start with, with a question for you. I can't remember if I had the question on the slide or not. I think I did. Here we go. Yes, I did. What does it mean to have faith? What does that actually mean? Or, or put it in a different way. What does it mean practically to trust God in a situation? What does that actually mean? It's, it's the sort of thing that we, we often, we might just say, oh, I trust God for X. But what does that actually mean? Is trusting in God like a like an ingredient in a recipe for a cake? I love baking cakes. I love eating cakes more, but I like baking cakes as well. And and if you if you if you're a baker, you you know you you weigh out the ingredients, you put the ingredients together, and if you put all the ingredients together in the right quantities, you put them in the oven, and out comes a nice cake. Is faith like an ingredient for a cake? That man, I'm praying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I've got faith. I'm trusting in God, so it's an ingredient in my cake. Stick it in the oven. And therefore, I'm going to get the result that I want. Is that what faith is? Oh, we're actually, no. Is it? Is it not? I, we'll find out <laughs> as we go. What is it if it's not? What is it then? What is it to trust in God? No, it's a good, it's good. We can, we can interact over this stuff. It's, it's nice, isn't it? I like it. No, it's good. What, what actually is it to trust in God? I ask that question because in our series, and often when we think about characters of faith in the Bible, often when we think about men and women of faith, we think about Daniel, we think about Joseph, we think about Esther, we think about these men and women who go through tremendously difficult times and yet maintain faith in God. And because of their faith in God, God brings about deliverance for them in this life and blessings for them in this life and rescues them in a kind of physical and practical way. And we, those are kind of the people we look at. And it's absolutely right that we, that we do. Absolutely right that we do because the Bible is full of stories like that. The great chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, 
if you don't know, is a, is a chapter which looks at men and women of faith through history, through the Bible. And it says, hey, these people were facing this situation and, and, and they had faith and this happened. And this person was facing this situation. They had faith and God delivered them. And, and so it's absolutely right that we do. And, and if you read through Hebrews 11, which is a wonderful, wonderful chapter, towards the end of the chapter, it's, it reads like the writer of the Hebrews is running out of space on his page. He's, he's kind of spent time on, on each of these different people. And then he um, concludes like this. He says, this is Hebrews 11, starting to pick it up at verse 32. He says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, um, uh, Jephthah, and David, of Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You see, there are lots and lots of stories in Scripture and in history and in our experience where we're facing hard times and we put our hope and our trust and our faith in God and God delivers us, right? And those are wonderful things. And God is a good God. He's a good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. And so it is absolutely right and proper that we look to God for those things and we trust in God for those things because often God does deliver. Often God does give us an earthly, a practical, and now reward for faith. Often, but not always. Often our faith brings an earthly reward, but not always. Not always. For those of you who turned in your Bibles, you will have noticed when we were reading that passage, I actually stopped halfway through a verse. So let's carry on reading the the passage, and it reads like this. So, verse 35, some women received back their dead by resurrection. Some, though, were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the sheep of skin, uh, skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These are still men and women of faith. These are still men and women of faith. It's still part of that list that the writer to the Hebrews is giving us. Did you notice in verse 34, some through faith escaped the edge of the sword, but in verse 36, excuse me, verse 37, others in their faith were killed by the sword. We see that throughout the Bible, don't we? We see Elijah. Elijah, he upsets Jezebel and In his faith, God spares him as Jezebel tries to kill him. But there are many, many other prophets of God who Jezebel murders. In the New Testament, King Herod Agrippa, he kills James, the brother of John. But when he tries to do the same to Peter, Peter escapes. You see, sometimes our faith brings about deliverance. Sometimes our faith brings about an earthly reward, but not always. And I think there's a danger for us, and and the danger is this, 
is this. If we only focus on those stories where there is a good outcome, if we only look at the stories where the outcome is the Joseph, man, I've been in prison for 20 years, but hey, I'm going to be the king of Egypt, so that's okay, isn't it? If we only look at those stories, what happens to our faith if we don't get the ending that we're hoping for? What happens to our faith when we've been praying for this person for healing, but, but God has other plans and they're not healed? What happens to our faith when we give sacrificially in the offering, but unlike all the testimonies you've ever heard, the exact amount you gave in the offering didn't come through the door the next week? And you've got to rebudget and work out how you're going to finance going forwards. What happens to your faith if that person you've been praying for to be saved dies not knowing Jesus? What happens then if the only stories we get to look at are the stories where there's a good earthly ending? There's a danger there, isn't there? And the danger is this, we, we, we either turn on ourselves or we turn on God. In those situations, we can turn on ourselves and go, maybe, maybe my faith isn't enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe God doesn't love me that much. Maybe I've done something which means X. And we can turn on ourselves and look in that sense, or we can turn on God. Man, maybe God isn't all he's cracked up to be. I've had faith. I put that little ingredient in the, in the cake mix. I stuck it in the oven, and it didn't come out like a cake I wanted. Maybe, maybe, God's, maybe God's not good after all. I think there's some people, maybe even here, and you're in that situation where you've, maybe you've turned on yourself. Maybe you've given up on God. Man, I tried having faith, and that didn't work because I've not had the outcome I wanted. I've not had the outcome I was expecting. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at a character of faith in the Bible who doesn't get the ending that we all might hope for. He doesn't get the ending we might hope for, and, and that's Stephen. We're going to be looking at Stephen uh, in Acts 6. If you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at Stephen, and we're going to find out that Stephen has faith, but he ends up dying. And uh, I believe there's some things that we're going to be able to learn from Stephen's faith and what it is to have faith and to have trust in God. So, so feel free to flick to Acts chapter 6 and 7, which is where we're going to be for the rest of our time together. So here we go. Acts chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples, excuse me, let me just tell you what's going on. Uh, this is early church. This, we're in Jerusalem. The church has just been birthed. Pentecost has just happened. Church is going pretty well, actually. It's a good time to be a Christian now. In the next chapter, it's not, but now it is. Um, church, church is going well. This is the early, early days of the church in Jerusalem. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected by the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, 
And Philip, and Prochius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselytite of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great signs and wonders among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, of the Alexandrians, and those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never speak, ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs of Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen is quite an impressive guy, isn't he? Stephen is an impressive, impressive guy. Just in this chapter, we can see some good things. He's got a good reputation. Like I said, this is a good time to be part of the church. The church is at least 5,000 strong in Jerusalem at this time. At least 5,000 strong. Possibly some commentators say up to 10,000 people in the church in Jerusalem at this time. So we've got a church of five, at least 5,000 people, and they say pick seven. And Stephen's one of those, right? He's top seven among 5,000. He has got a good reputation. He's a man, verse 5 says, he's full of faith. The faith that he has in Jesus affects his life in a demonstrable way. Verse uh, 5 also says that he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of faith. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of wisdom, we're told in verse 3. He's got wisdom from God. He's full of grace. We see in verse 8, a man who's full of grace, the grace of God, which he has received, affects his life, and he lives a life of graciousness to other people. He's full of power, verse 8. That's, that's, a, that's a great verse, full of power. He's a man, this is Stephen, who's doing great signs and wonders. Man, I don't know about you, I'd just settle for signs and wonders, but not Stephen. He's doing great signs and wonders, yeah? He's doing great signs and wonders. He's preaching with authority. Chapter 7, if you read chapter 7, which is the next chapter, which is Stephen addressing his, um, the people who, who are debating with him, you see he actually speaks with real power and authority. In verse 10, we're told that his critics couldn't stand against the wisdom and the spirit that he was speaking with and that he was uh, debating with them in. And then in verse 15, we see that God is so close to him that his face shines like an angel's. Man, this is an impressive guy, isn't it? If there is anyone that you would expect to have a long and fruitful life, full of signs, wonders, healings, and salvations, it would be Stephen, wouldn't it? Man, if I was God, this would be my man. <laughs> I'd be like, Stephen, mate, you're, 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 on, you're on board. You're the team. Go forth and do it. <laughs> Stephen is an impressive, impressive man who's full of faith. There's lots we can learn about Stephen. I'd love to dig into that, but that's not where I want us to head uh, this morning. Let's fast forward to the end of Stephen's story, which actually isn't much further along. 
we're going to pick up again towards the end uh, of chapter 7. So uh, the beginning of chapter 7, Stephen answers his accusers, and uh, it's, a, it's a great speech, well worth reading, but again, not what we're considering this morning. So we're going to jump down towards the end of Stephen's uh, preach and message. So we're jumping down to, where are we? Verse 54, we're jumping down to, and we'll read this. This is the man full of faith, whose face shines like an angel as he's so close to God, doing great signs and wonders. It says this, he, Stephen's just spoken. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. That's they threw rocks at him until he died. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Code in the Bible for he died. Stephen, we, we get introduced to Stephen in chapter 6. He's doing amazing things. Chapter 7, gets stoned to death. This is a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, what can we learn then from Stephen? What can we learn from Stephen's faith about what it is to trust in God? What can we learn? I think there's some great lessons for us in this. The first thing I think we can learn about what it means to trust in God is that when we say we're trusting in God, we are not saying that I'm throwing my little bit of ingredients and so therefore the cake is going to be what I want. What we're saying is we're trusting in God's character. When we say we're trusting in God, we're trusting in who God is. That God is a good God. That God is a faithful God. That God is a powerful God. That God is a God who adopts us and who loves us as his children. And he loves to give us good things. We're trusting in God's character and we're trusting in who God is. And we can see most clearly God's character and who God is, I believe, at the cross in Jesus. Where Jesus comes and Jesus dies for us. While we were enemies of God... Jesus came and died, revealing his power in breaking the stronghold of sin and Satan and death. But showing his love as he saves us and chooses us and dies in our place. And when we say we're trusting in God, what we say is, man, I'm trusting in God's character. I'm trusting that God is good. I'm trusting that if God loves me that much to die for me on a cross... If that's how much God loves me, there must be a good reason for me to be going through what I'm going through now. There must be a good reason for God to be allowing this now. If God loves me enough to die for me, there must be a good reason he's letting me face this now. When we trust in God, we're trusting in who God is. We're trusting in his character and in his purpose. 
We're trusting in his word that he says he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. If you love God, hey, God's working all things, all things together for your good. Now, your good might not be the ending that you hoped for. Maybe God's plan for your faith and for your trust is a different outcome to what you hoped. I think we see that actually here in Stephen's, in Stephen's story. Stephen prays at the end, still in faith. One of the last things he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He's still in faith right to the end. And I believe God answers his, his prayer because did you notice that as they were stoning Stephen, verse 59, oh no, excuse me, verse 48, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul's there. Saul's there approving of Stephen's stoning. Now, I, I know the story, I know that God dramatically invades Saul's life and transforms him in a miraculous way on the road to Damascus. I know, I know that, but I can't help but wonder. I wonder how much Saul, a.k.a. Paul, was affected in his faith by the, what he saw of Stephen. I can't help but think, man, Saul and then Paul, he was a normal man. If you witness this, you can't help but have it affect your life. And I wonder how much of what Saul, Paul saw of Stephen, maybe Saul was one of these guys debating with him in the temple, in the synagogues. We, we don't know. But we do know he witnessed his end. And I wonder. I wonder. And so God uses Stephen's faith and Stephen doesn't know until eternity what that means and what that looks like. Maybe God is going to use your faith and your hope and your trust in him in a way that you never see the fruit of until eternity. Maybe. You see, I believe that trusting in God is like an ingredient for a cake. I think it is. Our faith and our trusting in God is a key component to the Christian life. It is absolutely fundamental in every situation and every circumstance to trust in God. The difference is God's the one who decides what cake we're making. We might be trusting in God and we put the ingredient in hoping for a Vicky sponge and God says, hey, I'm making, I'm making a chocolate cake. And so when we get the Victoria sponge out there, we go, oh, this is what I ordered. But God has got something better. And God has got his plan and his purpose. And so we trust in God. When we trust in God, we trust in his character. There's a song that I, uh, I love. It's by a band called Cutlass, and it's called Even If. And the chorus of the song goes like this. It says, even if the healing doesn't come, life falls apart and dreams are still undone. You are God. You are good. Forever faithful one. Even if the healing, even if the healing doesn't come. What I love about this song is the declaration of trust is in what? Is in who God is. It's in who God is. It's in his character. When we go through hard times, we trust in God's character and who he is. The second thing I think we see here in Stephen's story about what it means to trust in God is we trust in God's character, who he is. We also trust that God is with us through those times. 
We trust that God is with us through those difficult times. Some of you, I get to chat to lots of people who are going through hard times, and some people who are going through hard times, they have wonderful testimonies of how God feels so close to them. Some of you guys here in this room, we've had this conversation. You've said, hey, man, I went through this really difficult time, and it was so wonderful because God felt so close to me. Praise God for that. That is wonderful. I have chatted to other people here today who tell me a different story. He said, man, I was going through such a rough time, and God could not have felt further away. And those people say, man, I find those testimonies really hard. It's like, God, I went through this hard time, but God was so close. Well, bully for you. It doesn't feel close to me. And of course, we, we love those testimonies, and we do want to hear those stories and those testimonies of God's closeness because it reminds us that God is close. But we know that even if we don't feel it, God is with us in those times. How do we know that? Because he's true and he's faithful to his word. And he says in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so when we trust in God, we trust that he is with us. We see this here in, in Stephen's story. You notice Stephen is uh, he's about to be stoned. Uh, and he says this. Behold, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I want to draw your attention to that word there, standing. This is the only place in all of Scripture where Jesus is described as standing at the right hand of God. Everywhere else in the Bible, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And that's a picture of Jesus' finished work, that he has destroyed Satan and sin and death, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's done. It's finished. He's seated. But he's standing. Why? Why? It seems odd. The commentators have lots of different opinions as to why this might be, because we're not actually told. I wonder. I wonder whether Jesus is standing with Stephen at this time. Whether Jesus is standing and identifying with Stephen. Stephen looks into heaven and Jesus is there stood with him. I wonder. You know, Jesus knows what it's like to be emotionally damaged. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be physically in pain. And he's standing. He's standing with Stephen, ready to welcome him home. Friends, some of you need to hear this now. Some of you might be going through rough times, difficult times, and it feels like God could not be further away. You need to know that Jesus is standing with you now. He's standing with you today. You might not feel it, but we can trust in his promise because he's true. Some of you need to hear that. He's standing with you. So we can trust in God's character, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's gracious. We can trust that God is with us through those times. Even if it doesn't feel like it, we can trust it because we know he says that he will never leave us and he doesn't lie. So we can know that it's true. And thirdly, I believe we can see in Stephen's story here, we can trust in God's eternal plan. I love that verse that Alison read for us during worship, that one day every tear will be wiped away. One day Jesus will come again and make all things new. We can trust in God's eternal plan. 
we don't know what the end of our story will look like. We don't know if we are going to have deliverance in this life from the pain and the suffering that we might be going through. But we do know. We know the end of the story. And we know that one day Jesus is coming back. We know that one day he is coming to make all things new. We know that one day he will wipe every tear away from every eye. We know that he will bring a new rule and a new reign where there is no more sickness, death, disease. There's none of that. One day. And we must have our trust and our hope in that. Man, our our trust and our hope, we can trust God. We absolutely can. The last thing I want to do today, I wanted to be really careful, and I was a bit worried about this message that I felt God put on my heart this morning. I was like, I don't want to rob people of faith for deliverance in this life, because we absolutely see that, right? We absolutely see that. We, we, We read that first bit in Hebrews 11. Man, there are many, many stories that I could tell you in my life, and people in this room, and this church, where we have faced hardships, and trials, and difficulties, and we've sought God, and we've trusted in God, and in His sovereign power, He has delivered us, and rescued us in this life, and that has been wonderful. But actually, there is a greater thing. There is a greater life. I don't know if you noticed that in that Hebrews passage. Let's just flick back there a second. Uh, Hebrews 11 still. And in verse 35, it says this, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some women, they had dead relatives, and God responds to their faith and raises them from the death. That is pretty amazing, right? Man, that that is good, good stuff. Praise God that God does that. And that is amazing. Let's keep reading, though. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. Why? So that they might rise again to a note better life. Is one thing to be raised to life in this life, but that person is going to get sick again. They're going to have pain again. They're going to die again. Lazarus still isn't alive now, is he? Right? He died twice. It's one thing to be raised to life in this life, but it's another thing entirely to be raised to life again for an eternal life with Jesus, to a better life. And our hope and our trust and our faith in God is, yes, God, you can do this now, and maybe you will, and we pray that you will. But if you don't, there is something better to come, which is assured. And we can hold on to that truth. F.F. Bruce, he says this. I love this quote. I find this so helpful. He says, faith in God carries with it no guarantee of comfort in this world, but it does carry with it great reward in the only world that ultimately matters. Isn't that encouraging? Our hope and our trust in God does not guarantee comfort in this world, but it does guarantee eternal reward in the only world that ultimately matters. So friends, we want to trust God, right? We want to be people of faith who trust in Jesus and who trust in God. And as I say, the last thing I want to do this morning is rob us of faith for the here now deliverance, the Daniel and the lion's den, the Rakshak and Benny in the fiery furnace. I don't want to rob the faith of those. We can be in faith for that, but our faith must go beyond that. 
Our faith must not be only in the here and now. Our faith must be in who God is, that he is a good father. Our faith must be that he is with us. He is standing with us. He knows what it's like. Our faith must be that one day all things will be made new. And we will be recipients of that and get to enjoy that. And that must be where our faith resides. And when our faith is there, we can, if things don't end up the way we like, it stops us turning on ourselves and it stops us turning on God. Because it keeps it in perspective. And maybe there's people here who are now feeling some of this stuff. Maybe some of you guys will feel this in a few years' time and you'll remember this and that's, that's, that's fine. But I, I want to just give an opportunity to respond and just to have a moment. So the way we're going to do this is we're going we're gonna to listen to a song which speaks about some of this stuff about putting our trust in God. And just give us an opportunity to do, do some business with God and see God. And then at the end of that song, if, if God is meeting with you, if you're like, man, I... I feel like I've given up. I feel like I've lost hope in, in God. I feel like I'm a failure because I haven't got the deliverance I was hoping for and I need God with me. Then we want to pray for you. So, so let's just take a moment. Let's hear this song. Let's listen to this song. And then we're going to have a, a, a time, just a few minutes um, of, of response, which I can, I'll lead us through.